A reading from the first chapter of Philippians, the words of the Apostle Paul in prison to the church at Philippi. Hear the word of the Lord. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. For it has been granted you on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him, since you are going through the same struggle you saw that I had, and now hear that I still have. This is the word of the Lord. It is really good to be with you this morning and getting to play this role once again. For those of you that don't know or are watching online, I served here formerly as the youth pastor for about 13 years. Uh, In the last 18 years, I have been teaching at Kuiper College. So a few things you need to know about my presentation style. Uh, Whenever I preach or I teach, I am very pragmatic. Uh, I want to give you something very concrete to walk away with. Uh, and so I, uh, my hope is that there's some kind of a nugget, some kind of a truth, either affecting the way that we think, the way that we feel, our attitudes, or perhaps our behaviors, that you are going to be changed, transformed, or trying to be as Christ's Spirit works in, in us. And so this morning, as we have an opportunity to reflect on these words from Paul's letter to the Philippians, Uh, My hope is is that you're looking for that nugget, that little piece of truth uh, that's going to help kind of transform the way that you act and live as a believer in Jesus Christ. So to begin that this morning, uh, I want to raise a question. When you look into a mirror, what do you see? Well, here's a few things that I've seen over the years when I've looked into a mirror. Yes, that's me as a little tyke, four or five years old, somewhere around there. And yes, that is me as a high school graduate. Can you believe that? And now this was kind of some stage of some form of glamour shot of some sort that I discovered. And now this is a little bit more realistic of who I am today. So uh, just for a moment, I'd like you to turn next to the person next to you and say, when you look into a mirror, what's the first thing you see? Go ahead, share that with each other. Thanks for indulging me in that a little bit. Now, most of us, oftentimes when we look in a mirror, we oftentimes the things, see the things that are wrong. Uh, the pimple that showed up the night before. Uh, or the crooked smile we might have. Or crooked teeth. Uh, or perhaps a bad hair day. Uh, but you know what? None of that really does anything to describe who we are. Uh, there's so much more that there's there in the context of that mirror. I mean, who is that guy? (laughs) Honestly, I really love that picture. 
my big hair. Uh, yes, it was red. I don't have that red hair anymore, darn it. Uh, but not today. Who is that guy? Well, he's a husband. He's a father. He's a grandfather. He's a son, a professor, a coach, a friend, a brother, and a pastor. But does that define who I am? No. You see, my identity is found in something much more than my titles or the activities. Who I am is found in the one who created me, the one whose I am. To live or to conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ requires us to first fully understand the gospel, the good news of peace, as John has just reiterated. The good news is that Jesus went to the cross to die for our sins, for our shortcomings, for our conduct. And he rose again so that these imperfections that we have don't have to define us. We don't have to measure up to anybody else's other standards. We measure up because of Christ, because we are his. Here, Paul is writing to a Roman audience. They were to obey Caesar. That was where their allegiance were. But now there's Christians that exist that are also to follow Christ and to, to uh, follow the things that he commands. And there is one command that's in this passage, and it's identified in conduct yourselves or conduct ourselves. To understand how to conduct ourselves, we need to understand then how God sees us. Because there's a tendency when we see that is to think that's all about our behavior. But in order for our behavior to really transform us, our our ways that we see things and the way that we feel things have to first be uh, engaged. So we need to know that God loves us so much. He loves how he's been creative with each one of us. One of my favorite passages in all of Scripture comes in actually a couple occasions. The same words are very closely reiterated. One is on a mountaintop during the transfiguration. Another was at Jesus' baptism, where God speaks to Jesus directly and says, this is my son, whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. Ah, who of us doesn't long to hear those words from someone who matters in our lives? This is my son, this is my daughter. With you, I am well pleased. God is saying that to each one of us as his created. You are my son. You are my daughter. With you, I am well pleased. The good news of the gospel is that our conduct starts with how, we, how God sees us. And so to really understand, to conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel, we need to see how God sees us. So I want to take a look at a passage from the Psalms. Dave Bass preached a series this past summer on the Psalms. This particular Psalm comes from David, where he writes about his own identity. He says this, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. 
Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days adorned for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. He created each one of us in very unique style. What a beautiful display of creativity that we are not alike. Do you know that even identical twins are not alike? They each have their own fingerprints. Each one of us is uniquely created. Every pimple, uh, every crooked smile, every bad hair day is all about God's creative nature. The world wants us, though, to fit into their mold and tells us what is beautiful or what is worthy. I want to show a quick clip from a video uh, created by the Dove Foundation called The Evolution of, the Mo of a Model. Maybe you've seen this before, but take a look at this for a minute. What is presented as real is not. We often think what is perfection is not. Somebody else is creating a picture of what that's supposed to be and not really relishing in the way that God created us. To live in a manner worthy of the gospel is to celebrate the uniqueness as his people. We are unique because of Christ. Jesus came into the world to reveal the Father's love for all of his creation. He poured his life into his disciples and all those he came in contact with. Sometimes that love was a little tough. The Pharisees he pushed into a little bit. Other times it was extremely compassionate with the woman who had been bleeding or the woman caught in adultery. His desire was to show God's love for his creation. Jesus said to his disciples in the Gospel of John, I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I call you friends. For everything I have learned from my Father, I have made known to you. He calls us friends. How great is that? Better yet, earlier in John's Gospel, he says that he came to those who would believe him and he gave them the right to be called children of God. Not because of who I am, but because of who you are, we sang earlier this morning. Not because of who I am, but because of who you are. That's right, we are his children. God calls us his sons and daughters. Becky, my wife, used to throw this phrase at us every time that we would leave. Well, not every time, but a lot of times. She said, remember whose you are. Wherever we are going, we are his beloved we get to represent the God who created us all in our splendor. 
creatively as, as it is, that we get to go on his behalf. Seeing ourselves as his beloved is part of this living courageously or this conducting ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. So the question raises, what does that really look like? How do we do that? You know, it's great to understand that this is what we're supposed to do, but when it comes down to rubber meeting the road, how do we live into this? Well, first of all, we need to be people that build one another up, who encourage one another every day to live in peace, the gospel of peace, and grace, and all that Christ has done for us. We need to listen to God's word more than the world that we live in. It's easier said than done. I get that. But it's the reason why we come to church on a weekly basis. It's to be reminded of how God created us. It's the reason we want to read God's word on a daily basis. To be reminded of his grace and his peace. None of us has a leg to stand on. John or I or whoever's presenting up here, we are no better than any one of us sitting in this place together. We all have our stuff. We all have issues that fall short of the glory of God, as Paul writes. But Paul continues in Philippians 1, saying, Stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose the gospel. We have nothing to fear with Christ with us. Not the judgment or the looks of disapproval from anybody else in this congregation, excuse me, or in this world. It is God whom we represent. And it's his creative nature that created each of us uniquely but he wants us to be unified in that and encouraging one another to live into that. A people who are together, loving one another, following his commands and building one another up. Since we are saved by grace alone, we get to be the most joyful people in the neighborhood, at school, at work, in the grocery store, and even on the golf course. That, that's one I'm still working on. Um, because of God's grace and our adoption into the family of Christ, our conduct is not something that earns God's favor and blessing, but rather is a reflection of his blessing and grace in our lives. When we consider the idea of conducting ourselves, living courageously for the gospel, we want to live in this light of the gospel and his mercy. Again, no one is more worthy than another. The picture he creates in how to live in a manner worthy of the gospel is found in some of Paul's letters as well. He continues to write that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. To live into those as a reflection of God's presence in our lives. Not somehow to earn his favor, but rather to reflect the joy of the life that we receive because of his grace. We do this as a body of believers being one in spirit and encouraging each other all the more until Christ returns. Celebrating our uniqueness in the presence of the body of Christ is something that we all need to work on. Jesus prayed that his followers would all be one just as he and the Father are one. That's his command for the church. Unfortunately, in this world, we haven't done so good at this. 
We have a long way to go to be much more unified, of encouraging each other, of loving each other, of giving grace and peace to one another, because we're all on the journey. No one has arrived. We're all in process until Christ returns. Paul emphasizes this here, whether in good times or in struggles that he's experiences, as he refers to. Unity, build each other up, see yourselves as God sees you, and conduct yourselves accordingly. So now, I come to the time where I want you to start thinking about what that one nugget is. What is your takeaway? What is the one thing that you want to walk away with that helps to transform or is going to change the way that you see yourselves or that you see God sees you? So what is that issue for you? What are you struggling to accept about the way that God made you? Not just your outward appearance, but perhaps the way you think or the way that you see or consider yourself. Conducting ourselves in a manner worthy of gospel is, not, is to put Christ first and him alone. We are saved by grace, and, we, and if we truly believe this, then we need to be characterized by grace in all that we do. This no way negates being obedient to God's word. We still are called to do so, to live out that as best we possibly can, but to recognize that we're all in process trying to figure out how to do that well and allow for that spirit to breathe life into us no matter what we're doing. So I ask, what is that for you? Where does that need to be played out? A little bit of my own reflection in this. I'm a bit of a perfectionist. I like things to be a particular way. Uh, And I'm hardest on myself. My challenge is to give grace to me when things don't get or go the way that I want them to go or quite measure up to my standards, let alone God's. In fact, I had a situation this morning that I realized I need to give myself some grace for an order that I made that was wrong. And now i got to change it. And I can't change it today. I have to wait till tomorrow. That's hard for us perfectionists because we want to dig into that now. i got to wait till tomorrow to do that. So God is teaching me, Brian, be gracious to yourself. It's okay. I know it's easier said than done. And it's easier for me to give grace to others than it is to myself. So when you look into a mirror, what do you see? What has to happen in your own heart and your own mind to allow the gospel to transform who we are? Do you see the grace and love of a merciful father? Or are you so focused on the worldly imperfections that we have that God's grace is not allowed to bloom in your life? I wonder, what do you need help with? You know, we're not ever intended to live this life in isolation. We're intended to live this in community with each other. And so that means maybe disclosing what that issue is for you to somebody else in your life. So my hope is, is that you leave this place. you got somebody that you can share this with. Say, help hold me accountable to this. Or this is the way that I see. How do you help me to move in a different direction, the way that God would want me to leave? So we're here today only by the grace of God. Every one of us. Nobody 
is more righteous than another. Nobody's conduct can be better than another because we all fall short. It's only in Christ alone do we have ground to stand on. So as the worship team comes forward this morning, um, I want us to sing this song. You guys can come on up. I want us to sing this song as a prayer in Christ alone. I want to share the verses of this first song. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace. When fears are stilled, when strivings cease. My comforter, my all in all. Here in the love of Christ, I stand. Let's pray.